Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, you and I both had eventful theatrical going trips on Saturday. I went to multiple shows in different cities an hour apart in South Florida. You went to Boston on a bus. I know (laughs) that because you live in Jersey, you take buses often. I cannot tell you the last time I was on a bus. So we're going to talk about your shows specifically because there's, it's about something coming to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you did see Life of Pi at ART. So I did. It was it was amazing because the, the trip started at the Schoenfeld Theater where it's going to be placed, which mm-hmm. I thought was really smart uh, yeah. because, you know, if you've ever been to Hell's Kitchen or the theater district before, like the lights come up <laughs> of the day. There. Nobody there, you know, me taking a 655 bus from Jersey um, just to get over there. And t- it was it was perfect. Honestly, it was it was a great little jaunt. But also it just it was kind of eerie because it reminded me of Pandemic Theater District, which kind of yeah. gave me PTSD of like, no, 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 we're OK. We're OK. We're OK. Uh, but yeah, so I boarded the bus with a friend of mine um, who uh, Michael Fling, who works at Goodspeed. He's a director. He's incredible. So I was like, you know, what? let me take another theater pal. Like, you know, it, it'll we'll have some some exciting critical eyes on this. And of course, the bus was full of everyone that I've ever known through the Internet or otherwise. Um, and so, yeah, we got there and it was amazing to see the ART crowd in the afternoon on a you know a, a Saturday matinee getting to see this play that everyone's been talking about from London and then you know getting an opportunity to meet some of the actors afterwards um, we got an opportunity the directors Daryl Roth introduced some puppeteers uh, we got to see the mechanics of how that puppet worked and of course we did not get to shoot content there because we want to save the magic for those audiences but it is quite magical to see all of those puppets and characters come to life if you're not familiar with the book Book, I highly recommend that you read it. it. It's a beautiful read if you didn't already have to read it in school, but um, it, just ahead of the Broadway show coming, it, it's a it's a gorgeous novel. It's it's a gorgeous story. So um, I, I can't recommend uh, you know pairing that up enough because it's just you know it, it's just great storytelling. You know, and it's good for like all ages. You could definitely tell that they want to encourage the people that are reading this in school to come to the show because um, they definitely present it in a way that is palatable and understandable for multiple generations of, of theater goers, which I think is so important right now. Yeah, I have not read the book, but I I did see the movie. So uh, I'm, I am I kind of have a little bit of an idea as to what to expect. But as you talked about, the, the puppetry and this is, is one of the things that was highly discussed when it came over from London. Mm-hmm. It is This is the North American premiere playing at Cambridge, Massachusetts American Repertory Theater through January 29th. We will have a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. Also, of course, if you want to hear all of our episodes, including yesterday's This Week on Broadway, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. All right, Grace, on Friday, there was a big announcement with some very big stars that a lot of people are excited about. On Friday, the Atlantic Theater Company announced that they would be presenting the world premiere production of a new musical based on the 1962 film Days of Wine and Roses. And... Atlantic does a ton of world premiere musicals. That's not a surprise. What's exciting is who wrote it, who's directing, and who's starring. This will be the first collaboration between Tony nominee Craig Lucas and Tony winner Adam Gettle since they did Light in the Piazza together, which at this point was, oh gosh, how long ago was that? That must have been... Oh my... How I, I don't even I don't even know how long ago that was. That was a long time ago. And 
it is starring no less than Tony winner Kelly O'Hara and Tony nominee Brian Darcy James. It is going to be directed by Michael Greif. It is going to begin performances on Friday, May 5th, and it is going to play a very limited engagement through June 25th, although I feel like that could extend. And with that kind of a, a limited run, that has to be aiming to Broadway, I would assume. They didn't say that, mm-hmm. but that's what I would assume based off how they have this You don't get Brian up. to sign on with that unless it's moving. I, I would agree. I would agree. So this is based, uh, as I said, on a 1962 film, but also actually a 1958 teleplay. The same writer, J.P. Miller, took his teleplay for Playhouse 90 and then adapted it to a f- full-length film. It came out in 1962 and starred Jack Lemmon, Lee Rimmick, um, and Jack Klugman, yeah. amongst others, which I think is really funny because Jack Lemmon starred in the original film of The Odd Couple. Jack Klugman right. starred in the TV show yeah. of The Odd Couple. So <laughs> I love that. Um, no, That is neither here nor there, but that's just fun. And it is a new musical about a couple falling in love the 1950s New York and struggling against themselves to rebuild a family. Um, I don't I've never seen this film, so I don't know a ton about this. But Kelly O'Hara, uh, obviously, who did Light in the Piazza on, on Broadway and Brian Darcy James is is enough to raise anybody's eyebrows. It, as I've said before, like the Piazza. Talk about eyebrows. Oh, uh, no, I see what you did there. Some of the most iconic ones. Uh, some of them. Um, two of them, actually. Uh, not my normal type of score, but like, okay, you have my attention. Yeah, and you know what? I, I want to throw this out because, of course, I saw everybody on theater Twitter, like, freaking out about this as they should, right? Like, everyone was posting, like, this little, like, um, graphic that they put out of Kelly and and Brian. And everyone's like, oh, my God, finally, like, this this duo coming together, like, the creative team and Gettle and all the things. And I was like, hold on. Isn't this the same group of people that hates when anything is adapted and nothing's original? You know what I mean? Like, I just want to call out that, like... There are exciting, good adaptations that come. You know what I mean? So it was just a funny thing of like, wait, hold on, hold on. Isn't this always like the same thing of everyone freaking out when something is adapted? I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, but so I'm excited about it. <laughs> I will say, though, something that's 61 years old is a different type of adaptation than something that is 10 to 20 years old. So like, I okay. think I think there's a little bit of a difference. Well, I mean, for f- when people complain, I am personally of the opinion that anything can make a good musical if if a uh, um uh, a cannibalistic barber and meat pie shop owner can turn into one of the best musicals of all time. Any good, anything can be good, good musical as beach as, party. Yeah. Ex- anything can be good if it's done well. I think the issues have always been necessarily with how well they're adapted. So uh, I'm fine with this, but I, I do think that the distance between the adaptation and the the original is probably yeah is a factor okay. in what people are excited about. But you are not wrong that some people will throw out their inhibitions when it comes to adaptations if they get two stars of the caliber of Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James. We, of course, will have more information about this as it becomes available. Additional casting and an official opening night will be announced in the coming weeks. They did put out the entire creative team, which we will, of course, have in the show notes. Speaking of shows... Coming to Broadway and things that got social media a little riled up. I did not see this, so maybe it was just I wasn't paying attention or it was in a different part of theater Twitter. But apparently there was a little bit of an uproar over Here Lies Love coming to Broadway at the time when Ferdinand Marcos Jr. is now in power in the Philippines. 
Um, if you aren't familiar with the show, this tells the story of his parents, um, Ferdinand Sr. and Imelda Marcos, and kind of their tyrannical reign uh, in the Philippines over 20 years of dictatorship. And now their son is back in power. The show put out a, not lengthy, but a, a sizable response to those people. And I'm going to read it here in part. It says, why now? History repeats itself. Democracies all over the world are under threat. The biggest threat to any democracy is disinformation. Here Lies Love offers a creative way of re-information, an innovative template on how to stand up to tyrant. Why on Broadway? We cannot tell the modern history of the Philippines without the United States. They're intertwined. Here Lies Love is an anti-Marcos show. It is a pro-Filipino show, being told in a quintessential American form, the Broadway musical. Two cultures, two histories, continuing a centuries-old complicated dance. Um, again, I have not seen the show. My histor historical knowledge of all of the issues with the Marcos is, is surface level at best, as I imagine most people's uh, listening to this are. But I thought this was a really way to frame it and to explain why this is important and why it's important now, Grace. And uh, again, I didn't see the pushback on on social media, but I think that the producers of the show handled it very well with that statement. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's really challenging. That's kind of all I can really say about it. Um, you know, cause I obviously am very excited and always want to push forward Asian stories, um, in a lot of different capacities, but sometimes when those stories are painful and hurtful and in real time to Asian communities, that's also challenging, right? So um, it's definitely worth um, taking a look at everything. And I and I hope that everyone is. We had another show with a fairly exciting cast that was announced on, on Friday. And this one is coming to the Signature Theater next month. It is a world premiere production from Sarah Rule. It is based actually on a book that she co-wrote with poet and teacher Max Ritvo. It, the book was called Letters from Max, A Poet, A Teacher, A Friendship. The play is called Letters from Max. It is obviously based on like an epistolary book, which is full of letters. Um, this will be directed by Kate Wariski and will run at the Signature Theater from February 7th through March 19th. With Letters from Max, Rule shares a personal correspondence in the various forms it assumes between two people fervently pursuing and offering one another the generosity of higher expression. The show has a fantastic cast and it is being led by the iconic Tony nominee Jessica Hecht and two actors will alternate the role of Max, Ben Edelman and Zane Pace. We will have a link into how that schedule will be broken down uh, in the show notes if you want to check out how that works. Anytime Jessica Hecht gets to be on a stage, that is always a good thing. And Sarah Rule is one of the best playwrights working. So we are looking forward to that. In other news, we talked about this last week. Grace, I think it might have been me and Ashley, but I can't remember. It might have been a couple weeks ago at this point. But they are now fairly well into shooting the film version of Merrily We Roll Along. Obviously, this is something that is going to be done over the course of 20 years as they film. So confusing. Film the scenes in chronological order, but in reverse order that the film will show them. So we talked about the fact that Paul Meskel had replaced uh, Blake Jenner in the role of uh, Franklin Shepard. 
and the fact that they had already shot that first segment. Well, in a recent interview with Variety, Ben Platt revealed that not only had the first sequence already been finished, but the second will actually film this coming year. Ben said, quote, Sondheim is the ultimate god of the theater, so to get the opportunity to do a beautiful short film of Sondheim is wonderful, especially with Beanie, who is a dear friend, and Paul, who is just one of the greatest screen talents. I'm hoping we can make it to the finish line. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, this is going to take 20 years. It's a risk for whatever reason um, that that this might not actually happen for whatever reason, I don't want to put that out into the world, but like, that's the one thing I keep thinking about is like, okay, great. They keep shooting these segments. Hopefully nothing bad happens in the corresponding 18 years before the end of this. But I am very excited that director Richard Linkletter is getting this going and is still moving forward. This should be very exciting, especially with the fact that as we are recording here on Sunday, the off-Broadway production uh, is officially closing today. And of course, we'll be coming back to Broadway later this year. All right, Grace, this is something, I think this is something, but it might not be something, but I think it's something. So last week, and you know, I am loath to include anything from the New York Post if I don't have to, and especially something that is a a rumor gossip column thing from Cindy Adams, but in, in, in an article that was buried all the way down deep at the bottom of the article, she basically said that there's a rumor going around. That Jew Jampson is selling the St. James, the Walter Kerr, the August Wilson, and the Eugene O'Neill to the Ambassador Theater Group. If it was just something in the New York Post, I probably wouldn't mention it. But I will say that I'd been hearing about Jew Jampson trying to sell the theaters for months. Um, I'd originally heard that Amazon was actually interested in buying them and that that might be where these theaters would go. Um that apparently does not appear to be the case at this point. So there's certainly some smoke going around this. I had heard that Jordan Roth has some interests now that will carry him outside of the theater, and he wants to be able to spend more time on those, whatever those other interests might be, fashion, film, whatever. Um, so I don't know if this is real, but the fact that I'd heard about it potentially happening with another company six, seven months ago, and now it's showing up in the New York Post, it feels like there is certainly a lot of smoke, and with that much smoke, there is probably a fire close at hand, Grace. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm sure that if, you know, any of this is, like, going to come to fruition, I'm sure in the coming days there will be information about it, you know what I mean, just because I'm sure, you yeah. know, there's, like, pressure to respond or, like, you know, any of those things, right? So I think that the real conversation uh, going forward is probably going to be about, you know, what those theaters, uh, you know, attract, like what shows are going in. And, and it's just like a real, you know, it, it's such a, you know, the map of of the New York theaters is such like a, this group is this group, you know, these are owned by yeah. these people. And then like, where do those, you know, uh, producers want to gravitate towards? So it's interesting. It's, it's exciting. But yeah, I'm sure that if we have more information, like we'll definitely be getting it. Oh yeah. That's a, this is a big story. So if this does happen, um, it'll probably be something that's talked about quite a bit. And I think it'll be analyzed a lot too. Cause like you said, the producing ethos of Jujampson and HEG is different, not one better than the other, but especially because ATG only currently has two theaters on Broadway, the lyric, which is where Harry Potter is and the Hudson, which is kind of like mm -hmm. where a bunch of like star studded, smaller shows go generally plays, but not always plays. Um, so it'll definitely kind of rearrange how shows are done 
on Broadway and where they are done and by whom they are done. So we will definitely find out. All right, real quick, I want to run through a little bit of the schedule for this upcoming theatrical week. Starting tonight on Monday, January 23rd, we will have opening night of Colin Quinn, Small Talk. It'll be off-Broadway at the Lucille Lortel Theater. I know Ashley was supposed to see it last week. I think she moved her ticket to next week, so that'll be fun. You love those storytelling shows. I love Colin Quinn's show. If you've never seen his solo shows on Netflix, you absolutely should. Um, Anytime that he's performing, either at the Cherry Lane or the, you know, the... Lortel Theater, like, I have to go. So I'm really excited to see this one eventually. Uh, But yeah, you can see his other solo work. Um, New York Story is probably one of my favorite solo shows of all time. So please, please, please go see it. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of solo shows, on Wednesday, January 25th, we'll have the opening night for Anthony Raps Without You, which I guess is actually a one-person musical is the way that they're describing it, um, which I don't know that I realize. It's obviously based on on his memoir of the same name. Uh, It is running... At the at New World Stages through April 30th. And I should mention that Colin Quinn's show is running through February 11th as well. A fun fact, if you know the book Without You that Anthony Rapp came out with, it was such a pivotal moment for all of us reading it because that's when we realized that he auditioned for Rent with Losing My Religion by R.E.M. And if he doesn't sing that in that show, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I didn't really I, know, I didn't yeah. know that. That makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Um All right. Speaking of off-Broadway stuff, on Thursday, January 26th, the Roundabout Theater Company will begin performances of the play The Wanderers. This is the show that we've talked about before, starring Katie Holmes, as well as Sarah Cooper and others. The show is currently slated to run through March 26th. Then on Friday, January 27th, over at MCC will be the return production of Soho Rep's off-Broadway show Wolf Play, which, Grace, I know you're going to get to go see. Mm -hmm. And the show is currently scheduled to run through March 5th. This is something we talked about quite a bit at one of the acclaimed off-Broadway shows of recent years. So we'll have more information about that. And then on Sunday, January 29th, will be the final Broadway performance of the Broadway revival of The Piano Lesson by August Wilson, starring basically everybody in the entire cast who is famous, Daniel Brooks, Samuel L. Jackson, John David Washington, Ray Fisher, April Mathis, Michael Potts, and more. So definitely check out all of those shows if you have the opportunity. They are good ones. I've obviously only seen The Piano Lesson, but it was great. But all of those other ones come recommended as well. Finally, real quick, as a feel-good recommendation, um, this was something that was going around quite a bit. I'm not exactly sure what she was going for with the blanket over her head, but Ariana Grande, I'm guessing from rehearsals for yeah, Wicked, or maybe she's hiding her Glenda hair. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, is that what you think it was? Maybe she's gone blonde. Yeah. Oh, good call. Good it's call. Good fully call. blonde. Yeah. Good call. Okay, so she did a little snippet of Over the Rainbow, which was great, but then of course. Kristen Chenoweth jumped in on the TikTok and did a, is that a duet when you have, is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. The, it's did, a stitch. Yeah. A stitch. That's what I meant. No, I mean, no, no, du- no, it's not a stitch. You're right. You're as a duet. Yeah. Okay. So either way, Kristen jumped in and did a little harmony with her fellow ASEAN as she referenced. Of course, those two also starred in Hairspray Live on NBC together. So they have uh, a long history that has nothing to do with Wicked, even though that obviously has cemented them. So check that out in the show notes. Very fun and very cool. And uh, it, it it did kind of take me aback. Like, I wasn't exactly sure what the blanket was for. I was like, what is she doing? But that makes a ton of sense that she's hiding her blonde. So good call with that. 
All right, everybody, that's all that we have. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all forms of social media at It's Grace Aki. I'm going to be putting up um, my Life of Pi video very shortly, probably cool. on TikTok. So if you are looking forward to seeing that, head there. Awesome. Everybody have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 